Hi there, Ollie Anderson here. You're listening to Creative Status. This is a podcast about tuning into your realness, i.e. cultivating a deep, unconditional acceptance for yourself and life and using the creative process as a vehicle for unblocking anything that may be getting in the way of you doing that. Uh, Today's episode is an interview about forgiveness. It's with Barbara J. Hunt. She is the author of the best-selling book, Forgiveness Made Easy. And she also does loads of workshops and stuff like that around helping people to let go of resentment and to move towards acceptance and to forgive people. This is all really very relevant to stuff that we talk about on the podcast, because ultimately, the only way that you can become real is to cultivate acceptance, because the only thing that you can accept really at the end of the day is reality or the truth. And so if you're holding on to resentment and you're not forgiving, then you're going to have some inner friction, frustration and misery. And so forgiveness is a super powerful shortcut to releasing a lot of that tension. Um, This is a really cool interview. Like there's lots of good stuff. Uh, I must be honest and say that when I was recording it, I had quite a severe case of man flu. So I, I may come across as having a bit more brain fog and mental torpor than usual, or maybe not. Either way, Barbara smashed it. There's some amazing stuff in here about letting go of resentment and uh, moving towards acceptance. Won't say too much, but Barbara, thank you so much for your time and for coming on the podcast. Everybody else, hope this helps you. It's a really important topic. Here we go. Boom. Well, hi there, Barbara. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Creative Status. We're going to be talking about a super important topic that I've wanted to do an episode about for a long time, which is forgiveness. That's your whole thing. You like train people to be more forgiving and tell them understand the philosophical, psychological, spiritual implications of being able to do that. Before we get into it, do you feel like introducing yourself, telling people how you ended up doing this kind of work and also sharing what you want to get out of this conversation that we're about to dive into? Sure. Thanks, Ollie. Thank you for inviting me. Um, yeah, so it's a bit of a weird thing to get into, actually, forgiveness and to make it, it's almost like it feels like my my calling is to spread the happy word around forgiveness. And I've been interested in personal and spiritual development since I was about 15, so for a really long time. And I've been curious about effective tools, things that actually work. So besides all the things like, you know, talking therapies and physical, you know, body work, somatic therapies, all that sort of thing, and keeping healthy and well. I've been really interested in mental and emotional well-being and particularly um, forgiveness because it just seems to have the most potency and we're already aware of mindfulness and there's quite a lot of information about meditation and the benefits of that and uh, my vision is that forgiveness will become the next big M (laughs) out there. So yeah and um, and so I, I mean I'd love to just explore it a bit more because what I find generally is if I, when I talk to people about forgiveness, the comment that I get most often is, oh, I never thought about it like that before. So I'm hoping that um, you and I can sort of dive deep into the the nuances of forgiveness, what it is and what it isn't and why it matters and, and sort of the broader picture, not just why it matters for us individually and for our personal relationships, but in the bigger context, because, oh my goodness, there's a big context that needs a bit of help. Yeah. So. Wow. Okay. So let's, just dive right into it. What what do you mean when you say that there's so much potency when it comes to forgiveness? Because I agree with you. Like what I've seen when I'm working with people, if they can start working on 
forgiving themselves and then forgiving others by extension is that it just unblocks so many powerful areas and strengths within within that person that they didn't even know was there. But what is it from your point of view that makes it so potent? It's, it's really true. I used to work on a retreat for seven years. We worked on I worked on a, a detox retreat. And I used to think of forgiveness as colonics for the soul because we were, we were doing colonics for people and they were fasting as well. Um, and we would do deep emotional work and around forgiveness in particular. So, um, so should we start with the definition of forgiveness that I use? Because that can really help to clarify what we really mean about forgiveness, what it is and what it isn't. Because I think that in and of itself is sometimes where like even before we're having a conversation about forgiveness people have switched off because they're thinking well I'm never going to forgive them you know it's like you can talk all you like lady but I'm not listening um so forgiveness so this definition comes from one of my first teachers about forgiveness a guy called Kay Bradford Brown and he created something called the Mortal Life Program and um this they're still going they're still teaching their work and this is excellent and he says the forgiveness is the absolute refusal to hold ill will against someone for what they did or didn't do. So I'll say it again because it's quite long. Forgiveness is the absolute refusal to hold ill will, so that could be a grudge, a gripe, a grievance, hate, anger, against someone for something that they did or didn't do. And I really love it because it's very specific and it turns the emphasis away from the thing that happened or the thing that the person did to your absolute refusal to not hate the person for doing it or for not for not carrying the ill will. So I don't know if you want to reflect back on that. I think another powerful thing about that definition is that it includes what they didn't do. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the time, the reason that we get so worked up and that we hold grudges in the first place is because we have some expectation about how other people are supposed to be in the world, how they're supposed to show up in our lives, how they're supposed to do things for us that they they can't do. And for me, I think that is a big part of the problem, clinging on to those unreal interpretations of people that block us from truly accepting them and seeing them as they truly are in reality. And it sounds like, if I've understood it properly, this definition is just about stepping back from all that stuff so that you're getting a more solid foundation for seeing clearly, something like that. Absolutely. And it, it, you're you're bang on in terms of our expectations. You know, that saying about today's expectations are tomorrow's resentments because we, we have scripts. We want people to know automatically what we're thinking and feeling and how they should be treating us and Sometimes we tell them, sometimes we don't, but we still expect them to know. And it's always the very big theme is if you were different, I'd be happy. So if you were doing the things or not doing the things, then I'd be happy. And so kind of good luck with that, as in, you know, everybody else is doing their own thing. So the only chess piece that we have any control over is ourselves. And that's we are the ones who need to be taking charge of what do I choose to keep in my heart? Because the other thing just very broadly about holding onto a resentment is that it's kind of um, a waste of your time yeah. and yeah, energy yeah, yeah. Yeah. because it doesn't change anything. The st- wow. thing has still happened. The person has still done the thing or not done the thing. It's just, do you choose to keep holding onto it mm. forever or for however long you want to hold onto it? Um, because it doesn't change anything. Mm. 
It doesn't matter how hard you resent somebody. I could kind of go, okay, I'm going to resent them really, really hard, especially on Saturdays. It doesn't make any difference. So we, 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 so then you have to start unpacking why why do we do it? Why do we prefer to hold on to our resentments than to let them go? And that's where it gets very interesting. I think this is where it comes back to the main theme of this podcast, which is if we simplify life, we've either been real or we've been unreal. And when we've been real, we always have that foundation of acceptance that we're kind of alluding to because the only thing you can really do with reality is accept it. And that includes the reality of ourselves and the reality of other people. And I think one reason, if not the reason, that forgiveness is such a powerful, powerful thing is that it stops you from holding on to the unreal. And ultimately, the unreal, I think, is always some ego slash identity thing that we've attached to and then project it out into the world and in, onto life itself and onto other people so that we can avoid our own emotional stuff. And a lot of the time, when we're resent, resentful of people because of our expectations and all the stuff that we were saying, we're actually fighting to hold on to the illusions that are making us miserable in the first place. And so there's a kind of effect, I think, from forgiving ourselves and others that allows that whole unreal structure that we've built our lives around to just fall down like a, a house of cards. And it really is very simple. It's just if you can train yourself, which we're going to get onto, train yourself to forgive, what you're actually doing is training yourself to go from a state of non-acceptance to acceptance and from unreal to real. And then when you've got that real foundation, that's when you can start moving towards wholeness and bring more creativity and joy and all these other amazing things into your life. And so I really think if someone's struggling, forgiveness is a shortcut to, to getting themselves back on track, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, right on. And it is, and it's so potent because it's the master art of letting go. And if you think about all the other spiritual practices that are out there, like meditation, that's, that is a kind of letting go. Yeah. And, and, and as, you know, death of the ego and, and forgiveness is the same, but it's harder because it involves other people. So I think of it as like the master spiritual practice, but you don't have to be spiritual to practice it. And that's that's another important thing that like my my um, invitation to people is to see it as a mental and emotional health practice. You don't have to have a, a faith or a belief about it. You just have to realize what a potent thing it is to be able to do because it, it's ultimately it is about inner mastery and that's what you're talking about it's like being able to see through the illusions of of our fabrication about how we think life should be to how it actually is and one of the major reasons why i think we struggle so hard with forgiving somebody is because we don't want to feel the grief of what we've lost yes. or what was yes. betrayed. Yes. And we don't even talk about that. We just talk about who's right and how we're justified in getting, you know, like revenge or, or justice. You know, we don't we don't go actually what's underneath here is the the painful reality that you're talking about is sometimes life is really really kind of um hard to bear. It's 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 we we're vulnerable and we don't want to admit it. So having a resentment gives us the illusion of some yes. kind of power yeah. Yeah. or or strength. Yeah. 
the illusions thing is the main problem, I think. I always say the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off and it will make you miserable. And the, mm -hmm. re the reason for that is not because the truth can hurt us in any way. Like actually when we're talking about letting go, all you can let go of is your illusions because you, the only thing you can hold on to is the truth or the real stuff. That never goes anywhere. And if we're in a situation where we're holding a resentment or we're just resisting life or distorting life because of our uh, resistance to it, the thing that causes us pain in the way that we're talking about is trying to hold on to those illusions whilst reality is just showing us something else. And I think in relation to forgiveness, that's, like you said, is the main reason that forgiveness is so difficult because actually we need our illusions in the short term to hide from the uncomfortable truth that people aren't black and white. They're not good and good or bad. They're real. That life isn't always going to be easy. There's a lot of uncomfortable things you have to grow through and blah, blah, blah. All of those things are like really valuable in the long term. But in the short term, when we're going through it, we try and resist acceptance, which means seeing people as they truly are, which means that, you know, we might as well forgive them. And so we, we get caught up in these kind of ego traps and this kind of state that we're talking about of non-forgiveness that just holds us back from the truth ultimately. So if that is how you see it as well, how do we train ourselves to forgive in this way that you're talking about where we can face the truth head on about ourselves and others and start, I guess, tapping into this power that can be unleashed through forgiveness, which really is just the return to reality, I would say. Yeah, I, I agree. But it's but it's it's a hard return to reality. It's, yeah, yeah. it's like giving up an addiction. Yeah. You know, when you give something up, you haven't really got anything to show for it. It's an inner posture, and what you have is relief or release or freedom. But you, mm. but they're not. The, we don't. It's, I think we find it hard when we can't imagine things. And if if you ever look up, or well, I I have looked up images of forgiveness on the internet, you get like a cup, you know, pair of hands or some stones with forgiveness written on them. Or a feather, but we, we don't really have an image of it either. So it's hard for us to understand what is it that we're trying to not do. Um, and I do talk. I don't. I don't usually talk about unforgiveness. I talk about resentment because when we say unforgiveness, that's just like a euphemism for I'm not going to forgive you, um, uh, as in I resent you. And and one of the fir first things we need to do in order to train ourselves to have more of a forgiving attitude in general is to notice when we're holding on to our resentments. And that, you know, like any other spiritual practice means that you have to be really honest with yourself and to notice what does it feel like when I'm doing that? And it was funny, actually, I was I was just noticing today, there's, there's a kind of a group that I belong to and there's one person's name in there and I'm thinking, you know what? I'm not completely clean. When I scan through that list, I've got something. So she's going on my forgiveness list. And so I will do my practice, my forgiveness practice. So that's, again, I, I teach it like a practice. It's something that you do a bit like a yoga practice or you go to the hygienist every now and then or you take the bins out every now and then. It's like it's the work of your heart. You do a little bit of cleansing work on your heart. So I, so for the last, since I did that Mortal Life program many years ago, I've kept a list in the back of my journal. And when I'm thinking, oh, actually, I need to do some forgiveness work on that person. 
or sometimes it can be a global thing or a, you know one of the big players in the in the world a decision maker that I don't agree with I do my forgiveness work on those people because I notice myself resenting them and that doesn't change anything they don't even know I'm resenting them um, and so it's not it's not affecting the world or changing anything all it's doing is just making stress in my body so that I, I would say the first thing that in order to train ourselves to be more aware of what we need to forgive is to admit to ourselves our shadow, that we are holding a resentment. I'm judging that person. I'm making them wrong. I think I'm superior to them or that, that what they've done is they shouldn't have done it. And I've got a story. And so as soon as you notice, you have to notice first, then you can start doing the work of undoing it. So if we're going to reverse engineer resentment, what kind of symptoms might somebody notice in their lives? So you've you've alluded to them already, a few of them already. You know, we might realize that we've got some hatred for somebody or something like that. But I real I think that because what we're saying is that forgiveness is ultimately the way back to wholeness, to acceptance then we can kind of assume that if we're resentful, then we're not going to be aligned with wholeness in the sense of kind of evolving and expanding and feeling a sense of flow, feeling connected to life and all those kind of things. We're probably going to have the opposite. So we're going to have friction. We're going to have frustration. We're going to have misery. And there's going to be a lot of mental tension because we're holding on to... Uh, interpretations of people because of our own ego stuff and so on and so forth. Are there any other kind of obvious symptoms where people can, I guess, reverse engineer and say to themselves, wow, okay, like I didn't realize, but actually I've got some work that I need to do. Yeah. All of those things that you said, definitely there's a physiological aspect to it. So you might notice tension in your jaw or just when I read that list of people and tension in my stomach, you know, so you can notice those subtle clues. But also when when I originally took that training, um, we were invited to write down all the people that we held any kind of grievance against, any little thing or big thing. And this was through the whole of our lives. And it is such a brilliant exercise. So sometimes I, I, I lead um, groups of people called on a forgiveness field. So basically we come together a bit like coming to a dojo or a yoga studio to practice. So we come together online to do some forgiveness work. And um, and I invite people to write their list of how, who they've resented and who they might be holding onto a resentment. And then I get them to add up the number of years they've been holding onto that, their resentments. And most people have an individual score of over 100. So in a small group of a couple of, hundred, you know, like 20 people, there's over a thousand years worth of resentment just amongst us. And I, that kind of normalizes it and it means that yes you can admit so when I actually wrote my first list I got I thought well I'm going to lower my bar and think pretty much everybody I've ever met you know like early school friends siblings blah blah and I and I got to number 36 and I thought yeah probably resent my mum as well put her name down and the thing about my mum was I was resenting her for being ill she had multiple sclerosis from the time I was 15 so admitting that you resent somebody for an illness now what a horrible woman must I be but actually, what a human woman I am, because so many other people, as soon as I say that, I go, oh, yeah, actually, I do too. Or, you know, I've got elderly parents who need care. Or I've got this kid who, you know, like, you know, even though we love our kids, you know, sometimes we resent them as well. Shock horror. So it's important for us just to be really honest, because otherwise, all the resentment just kind of, it just ends up 
somewhere else. It gets projected out into what we now have culturally are these massive divisions between us of like those people as opposed to my people. Yeah. And 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 so that's the sort of the long disadvantage of not admitting that you're holding resentments. And don't forget also culturally, most of our media and stories and movies are not about forgiveness. Mm. They're about revenge yeah. and they're about how you get one over on the man or how, you know, it's like, it, you know, it's almost like we're training ourselves for the complete opposite of forgiveness because yeah. forgiveness isn't sexy, not interesting. Mm. You know, like a kind of a really good, cool revenge story. We're all like, yeah, good. you know, <laughs> as opposed as opposed to someone's forgiven somebody, you might be moved but you'll just think, well, I could never do that. Yeah. You know, like these amazing heroic stories of forgiveness. Somebody's, you know, child has been killed and then they managed to go on and forgive the killer. Just extraordinary stories, which we find, maybe we find hard to relate to because we're just thinking, well, I still can't quite get over the fact that my husband won't put the lid on the toothpaste, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, have to, we have to be real, Ollie, which is, you know, what you're talking about, you know, be honest about how petty we get. There are so many questions I have after this stuff you just shared. Do you, first of all, do you think it's possible to live without resentment? Like as a human being, can we get to, can we get to that point where you know everything just uh, it slides off us like water off a duck's back? Nothing really bothers us anymore because we're grounded in something true rather than all of these interpretations and so on that lead to resentment. Is that possible, do you think? In theory, yeah. yes. Um, but in practice, I mean, I've been doing this for more than 30 years. I still get hooked. I still do my practice. But it's but it's like saying, you know, you know, have you got any spare change? I don't know. I haven't finished living my life yet. You know, we, we, don't, we don't know what's going to happen. So it could be that somebody does something really difficult, you know, like to a member of my family or there's some, I don't know, a mistake or something that's made or, a, you know, maybe a harm. Do I then do the same thing? I'm committed to a forgiveness practice. I'm going to choose to do my forgiveness practice every time. Because if you, you know, like one of the biggest teachers about forgiveness was Jesus, um, whose birthday is coming up soon. And he said, uh, 70 times seven. You know, like when when do you forgive 70 times seven? And so that's like every time. So it is like a practice because like, you wouldn't say to somebody, when will you finish doing yoga? It's a lifelong practice and I, the same with meditation. So I feel like forgiveness is in the same area. What I do know as well is from like 30 years of practicing is that it's still my choice. I still prefer to not carry any resentments, which is why I'll write that person's name down and I'll do my practice. It doesn't mean that I'm not I'm not um, unfuckwithable yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I think it is possible to, to yeah. get to that point where... We can understand, ultimately, that we're all human, basically, right? And so the benefits of forgiving mean that we ultimately forgive ourselves. I think that's what it comes down to. I think that was going to be my other question. So it is possible to forgive everybody, but yep. only if you forgive yourself first. Because if you don't forgive yourself first, which just means accepting yourself unconditionally and realizing that you're on a journey towards wholeness that you, is, is going to last your whole life, you can always go deeper. If you don't do that, 
that's when you're going to get to the point where you're projecting your resentment or judgment of yourself out onto others so that you can maintain that disconnection within yourself, if that makes sense. And so only if we work on that internal foundation are we going to be able to continue doing this work that you're talking about of forgiving others as they inevitably annoy us as we go through life and they don't agree with us or they share different values and different needs and all that kind of stuff. And so I suppose what I'm, I'm doing now is switching the conversation onto our relationship with ourselves. Because do you think most people, I think, at the start of these kind of spiritual journeys where they need to work on their emotional health and their mental health and the spiritual health, at the start of the journey, there is a sense of disconnection within themselves, which is adding to the kind of tension that causes them to want to cling on to the illusions that we were talking about at the start of the conversation. And when they've got that inner disconnection, the void, that's when it's much harder to be able to just accept other people. And if you accept them, that's when all of this mental tension and the things we need to forgive slips away. So I've been very long-winded and rambling, but ultimately what I'm saying is, is there a shortcut to forgiveness of others by working on forgiving ourselves for the disconnection that we may have picked up because of childhood trauma and shame and guilt and all those kind of things? If we work on that first, is it going to make the other stuff easier? That's a really interesting question. Um, I, do you know the alternative serenity prayer? which goes, God grant me the serenity to accept the people I cannot change, the wisdom to change the one, no, the courage to change the one I can and the wisdom to know that it's me. So I, I, I agree that self-forgiveness is really important. I never say that we have to do it first because I don't want to put people off doing any forgiveness work. And sometimes self-forgiveness is the hardest. It's the one that I find most, I get more people coming to the self-forgiveness classes than to the general ones yeah. at the moment. It's the one that people find the hardest because you've got the least distance between you and you. At least other people look like they're out there, whereas you know you're with you twenty four seven. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be prescriptive and say it's one then the other. But I agree with you that when you are able to project less on others, that you you would have you know it would be easier to then. I mean, ideally, not being triggered in the first place, not not resenting in the first place is the ideal. So the le the more inner work that you've done on yourself, yeah. the more at home you are in yourself, the less you need to do that because you're not needing to point score off others. Yeah. And you can have more of an attitude of live and let live, providing somebody's not causing harm. And I think that's another really important thing just to say generally is forgiveness is not about accepting unacceptable behavior or condoning unacceptable behavior. And you do still, if you need to, litigate, create clear boundaries or, you know, prosecute or whatever. You you have sometimes you have to take radical action to correct something. So amends sometimes do need to be made. But when you have that definition of forgiveness that I'm using, it's not dependent. My forgiveness is not dependent on whether somebody apologizes or makes amends. My forgiveness is on my choice whether or not I hate somebody or carry ill will against them. And that is empowering. And it's the same with self-forgiveness. It, uh, again, I, I, in fact, I was just thinking back to a, an email I had from somebody a while ago saying, I absolutely cannot forgive myself. And she, they didn't say what it was that they were not able to forgive. 
But that, to me, is a choice. Of course, you don't have to forgive yourself, but it's usually when you believe that forgiveness means other things like I don't have to make amends or I wasn't responsible or I can't make amends or I can't change it or if I forgive myself, I might do the same thing again, which is the most common fear. None of those things are true. Self-forgiveness is, again, it's just a choice. I choose to not judge myself and beat myself up and hold on to that story. I may have made a mistake. There is something I want to make amends for or I can't make amends for, but I'm going to do other things, you know, as as my choice to to mitigate whatever that decision was or, or thing that I did. And so there's, I think there's, you know... There's the inner work and then also there is the outer work. And there's even the same with forgiveness. The way I teach it and work with people one-to-one is I get them to do a process in their imaginations as if they're having a conversation with the other person, a bit like a gestalt kind of conversation. And um, you may then also go to the person and say, a small part of that thing. You may have a request or like in nonviolent communication, you might have a, an unmet need that you want to say, actually, this is something that's really important to me. Can we have a conversation about it? Huh. But but doing it in almost like the safety of your own mind or with a therapist means that you then have the opportunity to, to fully express the resentment that you have, to be able to clear your field of it so that it's almost like you're panning for gold. You're getting clear on what's actually, what's really the, the nub of this? What's what's actually the thing that I need to look at? And maybe it's something I need to look at in myself because it's something I'm projecting. What do you think about the forgive and forget thing? So I guess the traditional advice in society is forgive, but don't forget. So we, we release people of, you know, our resentment and all that kind of stuff. We let them know, but we also let them know that we haven't forgotten. And I suppose that is rational, obviously, so that we don't fall into the same situation again or the patterns aren't repeated and that kind of stuff. But the way we're kind of talking about it, it's almost as though forgetting about it is actually the next level if you want to break it down into levels. Because in a way, by forgetting about it, we truly get into that place of acceptance where it's it, we've been fully present, if you know what I mean. Like the past isn't clouding our view of the person right now. And that's obviously only if we want to continue a relationship with them or something like that. But I thought it's, it's a bit of a random question. But like, are there benefits to actually getting to that point where we can forget in a in a sense? Yes, I th- I think so. I'm I'm thinking in particular like if somebody has been betrayed in their marriage. You yeah. don't want to keep remembering that. You you want to do your work and and have a fresh beginning and not constantly be thinking about it. And and I you know I have had people write to me even just reading the book and then and then doing the work by themselves saying it transformed my relationship. You know I'm I'm beginning a new marriage. You know even though those things happen. You know you've saved me. You know this like really kind of like amazing kind of acknowledgement for how powerful it can be to be able to do that piece of work. And in my book, I also talk about needing to do it the equivalent of 70 times seven, because sometimes things will come back up again, other layers, you know, even though you might do your forgiveness work on your parents or, you know, I think everybody needs to do forgiveness work on all the early players, you know, even though you might have had a good 
you know, I, you know, I've had a perfect childhood. No one's had a perfect childhood. Nobody had perfect parents. Ask my son, he'll tell you. Um, so, you know, it's like we, we do the best we can and we, we carry resentment and it's really good to clear, clear those fields. And then if it's an ongoing relationship, little things, you know, it's a bit like you don't just clear your house, you know, you vacuum, you know, whenever you have visitors, not just the first time, you know, so it's, it, so it's like we, we need to keep doing the work. And I think as a practice, it's a bit like, you know, again, back to yoga, you get stronger and more flexible. So with forgiveness, you become more accepting and more able to see, oh, I'm making a story up there or oh, I've just projected my shadow onto that person, you know, and, and take responsibility for it. So I think the, the practice of it is literally having it in your field as a practice, you know, like this is a relational thing. And I really believe that when we clear up our inner relationships, this this is sort of the long, the longer view and the potential we were talking at the beginning, the, the potency of forgiveness is if every individual did their forgiveness work, we would be clearing up thousands of years worth of resentment culturally, historically, karmically. And I believe that, you know, if we're going to, you know, make it as, a, as humanity, we have to know how to forgive and we have to be practicing it in order to be able to move past our differences to, f to create a world that works for everyone. 100% agree. How do we flip the, I guess, the cultural script narrative that sees forgiveness as been a weak thing because ultimately what we're saying i think is forgiveness is the way back to acceptance to reality and because reality is often going to throw all kinds of uncomfortable truths in our face that are going to cause us to have to you know let go of our illusions and all that kind of stuff facing reality is about strength ultimately mm -hmm. but a lot of people seem to think that forgiveness is weak like if you forgive and i'm not one of these people for the record but they seem to think if you forgive well you know you're a pushover or you know you're just wishy-washy the world's telling you what to do you you don't have this bloodlust for vengeance and all that kind of thing and so you're clearly just a weak person basically like how do we get people to realize it's the other way around that forgiveness is strength letting go and getting fully in the present so you can kind of have a, a fresh start with with whoever it is that you've uh, had to forgive, that is true strength because you're letting go of your weakness that stops you from seeing the truth about yourself and the truth about them. Absolutely, 100% with you on that, totally. And I think having conversations like this, you know, pod, that's my mission, more podcasts so that I can spread the happy news but also if you think about somebody like Gandhi or Nelson Mandela or even the Dalai Lama you don't think oh there's a weak person these are spiritual masters and that is where the strength is it's like being able to stand literally in the face of you know like the equivalent of crucifixion and not hate people that is mastery and that's and so I agree with you. It's it's incredible strength. It takes strength and vulnerability to say I'm going to stand with my heart open in the grief of this thing and not close my heart. I'm going to keep my heart open. And it doesn't mean that you don't set clear boundaries. You do. You say this is unacceptable. We want the British out of India. 
and you do what you need to do. He was not a wuss. He got stuff done. You know, it's you know. It, so I totally agree that that. But culturally, we need to we need to promote moral values and moral virtues rather than our you know our worship of power and money and prestige for, with people who, in my humble opinion, have been on my forgiveness list and are not worthy of my aberration as opposed to people like Gandhi or Martin Luther King or or you know or any of the kind of leaders who who change the world through nonviolence there's a story about Martin Luther King where he is actually he somebody um goes up to him on stage and hits him and he says to the guards who rush to kind of intervene don't hurt him that is spiritual mastery how do we get that in I guess a culture that is ultimately built on moral relativism so there's a kind of spiritual vacuum I guess yeah and you know to state the obvious and most people try and fill that void with the things you mentioned money sex power blah 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 none of those things are going to give them what they really want which I believe you can only get by reconnecting to the truth by cultivating acceptance and the way that we're talking about and then putting yourself back in the flow of life where you're constantly evolving and expanding and all these kind of things to do that you kind of have to realize that we're not in control of our lives and you can say it's god or the universe or you could just say it's chaos like none of us as human beings is omnipotent there's always going to be something that we have to surrender to whether it's just the laws of nature or some illness that creeps up in our lives, whatever it is, we are not in control of our lives. And I think when people face that uncertainty and chaos without some kind of spiritual core, that's when they end up turning to moral relativism and it, be it becomes about me versus you, them versus us, right versus wrong and all these kind of things. And that's when we end up on the path to revenge and thinking that strength is about using our ego, basically, and its will to try and make life conform to us instead of letting go of all those illusions and then conforming to life and finding that solid foundation of acceptance that we keep talking about. I think moral relativism, this idea that, you know, it's all relative and my opinion is just as valid as yours and it's just, you know, I've got my reality and you've got yours, etc., that's in a strange way giving people the illusion of freedom but it's causing them to to actually lose freedom in the long term because it's making them more egotistical and therefore holding on to resentments and that kind of stuff so that was a long-winded way of going about it but how do we bring the kind of truth that you're talking about back into the world in a world where most people are buying into that kind of relative way of looking at things because what we're talking about really is i guess like an absolute truth of some kind and if you tap into that then you'll let go and you'll be forgiving and things will be much better yeah i actually have a bit of an allergy to the my truth thing yeah, yeah, yeah. because my truth can be <laughs> just my story and my perspective that yeah. i am not going to change yeah. rather than how can i maybe take your perspective which yeah. is one of the things yeah. that happens in the forgiveness process that i've kind of curated is you take the other person's position 
a bit like in the old debating societies where you would debate and then you would switch and then you'd debate the opposite mm. so that you have the opportunity to see things from a different perspective. Mm. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't really know how we do it culturally. I'm, I'm seeing the mental health crisis, even the fact that it's just called a mental health crisis and not an emotional and spiritual crisis, for that is what it is. The fact that we are noticing how unable we are and how unresourced we are to be able to meet the challenges, particularly of life in the 21st century, that we, I think, will be forced onto our knees before we have to make the changes that we could choose to make. There's there's a really lovely Hafiz poem that says, um, no one can resist a divine invitation that narrows down all our choices to just two. You could come to God dressed for dancing or be carried on a stretcher to God's ward. And that's it. I really believe that this there's there's the greater like you were saying that whatever it is the the life force itself the universe god whatever you want to call it consciousness is something that we are mostly unconscious of and as we become more conscious of it that it it changes us and that's irresistible and we can kind of go the hard way which is what it looks like or we can try and head things off the pass by you know, waking up as much as we can and doing what we can to free ourselves. Because I don't know if you ever played that game called Stuck in the Mud when you were a kid. No, no. Um, you, you, somebody's it and then they go around and they tag people. And as soon as you're tagged, you have to stand with your arms out and your legs apart. And the people who are still free, they run and scramble between your legs oh. and you get free. And then you go and free other people. And I, I, I think it's like that. It's like the, the those of us who, who know the importance of doing the inner work and taking full responsibility for our, the way we we show up in the world. You know, it's like not really our duty, but our privilege to be able to talk about it and to, and to encourage and support other people to do the same. So many amazing things in this conversation. We're going to have to wrap it up, but if you were going to sum all of this up, if that's even possible, how would you do it? So I guess what I'm saying is, have you got any final words of wisdom? And can you let people know where they can find you as well? And, yes. and your book and all these other resources you've got. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, so, um, well, I'll do the logisticky things first. So my book is called Forgiveness Made Easy, The Revolutionary Guide to Moving Beyond Your Past and Truly Letting Go. And that's available on Amazon in all different, it's Audible as well as um, Kindle and print book. And my website is forgivenessmadeeasy.co.uk.co.uk. And I do one-to-one sessions with people. They take 90 minutes if you want to work with me on releasing a, a big resentment or something that you want support to release. And then I also host online forgiveness fields where they're kind of group sessions, which are you know obviously more um, economically um, uh, a good deal. And um, because we're working together in a group and everybody works with their microphones off. So you're not overheard, but you're, I take everybody through the seven steps of the forgiveness made easy process in again in 90 minutes. So it's a really great way of practicing. Mm. Um, And sometimes I do themes like self-forgiveness or, you know, forgive your ex or whatever. So I I do themes sometimes, but you can bring anything. 
And um, and and I also have like a link tree, which is just link tree, and then Barbara J Hunt. So all of my stuff is just Barbara J Hunt. And um, you're just if you put Barbara J Hunt and the word for, it'll come up with forgiveness and all of the different resources. And then the last thing really that I like to say to kind of conclude and hopefully inspire people to do their forgiveness work is that I really and truly believe that we could create a much more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible, as Charles Eisenstein says. And peace starts in your heart. And if you do your forgiveness work Mm -hmm. and I do mine and all of those around us do theirs, that we could create a revolution like one heart at a time. And that's to me, that is the most exciting potential of forgiveness is we could we could genuinely do that because it's a choice. Yeah. And so if we had everybody, you know, like we all went into lockdown, we go into a forgiveness lockdown, we would come out into a completely different world. And mm-hmm. what I find so tantalizing is that it's not, I know it's a fantasy as in it's not, it's probably not going to happen, but it is a potential. We could choose it. Yeah. We don't, but we, but we could. And so that's 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 so that's why I feel so excited and kind of you know um, lit up by the potential of it. That's amazing, Barbara. Thank you so much for this one. It's been a good one. That's really a pleasure. Time and your energy and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. Pleasure. Thanks. Thanks very much for having me. Great conversation. Yeah.